little bit here and there, it goes a long way just to help. It stimulates digestion, it increases circulation, and increases that bioavailability. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today I am so excited. I have such a very special guest, and we are going to talk about what will keep you healthy that is in your kitchen cabinet. So please stay till the end. There are There is a lot of helpful, helpful information on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Subscribe, say hello, and let us know what you want to hear more of. So my very special guest today, her name is Rosalie DeForay, and I butchered that, but that's just how it is. She is passionate about helping people discover the world of herbalism and natural health. Her teachings make herbs simple and practical for everyone. She's the education director at Learning Herbs and a registered herbalist with the American Herbalist Guild. Rosalie is the author of Alchemy of Herbs, Transforming Everyday Ingredients into Foods and Remedies that Heal, as well as online courses, The Taste of Herbs, Herbal Cold Care, and the apothecary, the alchemy of herb video companion. Thank you so much, Rosalie, for being here. So glad to have you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, Anne. Awesome. So I want to just dive right in and really talk about what people have in their medicine cabinet that can really promote good health. Yeah, let's dive in. And I love just getting right to the herbs themselves. Well, they're so we could take, you know, go through each and every one, but let's start with maybe what is the most common spice in many of our cabinets, which is black pepper. And I was actually just doing a lot of reading up on black pepper and it is still the fifth most traded or well, let me say that again. It accounts for a fifth of all herbal trade in the world. So it is one of the most highly traded herbs and it's going from India and Southeast Asia all over the world. And it's easy to discount black pepper because, you know, it's just something that's always there. We can find it like ground into a powder at the diner or it can be, you know, at a fancy restaurant where it's like freshly ground onto your salad. It's in practically everybody's home. So it's just kind of this like thing that I think of as thought of as flavor, like, oh, a little black pepper to add a little flavor to your food. But something that is truly amazing about black pepper is that it enhances our nutrient absorption. So that means when we use it on our foods, it's helping us get more out of the foods that we're eating. And so it's helping increase the bioavailability of those foods. So it's kind of, I put black pepper on all meals, a little bit here and there. It goes a long way just to help. It stimulates digestion. It increases circulation and increases that bioavailability. That's been studied specifically looking at certain um, constituents like curcumin from turmeric, but is known to be widely applicable for all sorts of nutrients. So black pepper is a good one to um, you know use regularly, add to your meals. It does all these other things too. It's used for arthritis. It's used for cold and flu symptoms. It's used when somebody feels cold, you know, they might have cold hands and feet, or they just might notice like they're a little bit colder than other people around them. So it has many gifts, but first and foremost, I have to bring up black pepper 
first because of that nutrient absorption. You want to know something so, so random? Yeah. I hate black pepper. <laughs> I leave it off of everything. If the recipe calls for it, I'll put in everything else besides black pepper. So what if we have an aversion to one of these spices? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, question because certainly I think when it comes to herbs and spices, what I love about them is that we can joyfully bring them into our lives. We don't have to shit ourselves about them. Like, oh, I should take this or, and they can be so delicious and fun. So they don't have to be like, ugh. So yeah, if something doesn't resonate with you, especially in a strong way like that, I would definitely move on to something else. So let's move on to something else, which is perfect. ginger. And ginger also increases circulation, increases digestion, and has been shown to have that same um, increase in bioavailability. So if somebody was like, I hate black pepper, I'd say, let's talk ginger. Do you like ginger? I love ginger. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So ginger does so many wonderful things. You know, it's so warming. And what I mean by that is if you have ginger pretty much in any shape or form, you will actually feel, you know, like your belly start to warm, Um, whether you're having the fresh juice or you're sprinkling powder on your meal or you're putting it in your tea, you will feel warmer, which, you know, right now I'm watching the snow come down outside of my window here. It's a great time to be having warming things. Uh, It's also shown to um, help increase digestion. So it's often paired with meats, which can be heavier and harder to digest, but of course goes great with veggies too. I also love ginger for its uh, effects on pain and it's been shown to decrease DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. And you can also use it topically, rub it into sore muscles, put it in some bath water. And that also is wonderful for decreasing muscle soreness. How do you like to put that together when you're use it, utilizing the ginger on the muscles? Are you, you're putting that in a carrier oil? Or are you letting that sit? Like how, mm-hmm. what's the recipe for that? Yeah. So I like to put in a carrier oil and it kind of depends on what you have on hand. If I'm doing, um, a fresh ginger in oil that actually can work pretty quickly. So if it's like something I want like that day, uh, I can do a quick infusion into oil. Uh, you can use dried ginger and some heat and that takes a little bit longer. I mean, basically you're trying to get the goodies that are in ginger and pull them into the oil. So there's a little different techniques versus, you know, fresh versus dried, but yeah, putting it into a carrier oil, um, and then using it topically like that. And you know, you know, it's good if it, one, it smelled like the oil ends up smelling strongly of ginger. And when you rub it on that, you can kind of feel that increased circulation, a little bit of heat. So we're talking about all these spicy herbs. I, the, another one that just popped into my head is cayenne, which would kind of fall into this all super spicy, super warming. But I thought of that because cayenne is also wonderful topically um, and making that into an oil or a salve. And with that one, you can really feel the heat come out uh, with that. And I've seen that work wonders. One, um, you know, one thing I really like about these for topical injuries and topical soreness is what they're doing is they're, we call them rubif patient, which means they're slightly irritating. And by irritating, they are actually kind of like, it's like they're picking at us in a sense, and they're bringing circulation to the area. So you rub it on and your body is reacting to that. And it's going like, whoa, whoa, what's that? What's that? And it's bringing circulation to the area. 
which is really important for the healing process. Uh, we, you know, anytime we want to heal something, we want to bring circulation there. And, um, I was actually just listening to a recent show you did. It was a short one on ibuprofen for injuries and how that's problematic. And, um, in there talked about turmeric, uh, for injuries. And another thing besides ibuprofen that I am not a big fan of for injuries, especially excessive use is ice. Um, because both of those things are decreasing inflammation in the short term, um, but they're also decreasing circulation. And so these wonderful spicy herbs, they also modulate inflammation, um, but they're doing so in a way that brings circulation to the area, well, which is you, really important. You are beyond your time because more recent literature has come out on ice. And so oh, acute injury, you need to ice. And then you, oh, maybe in subacute, you can do ice and heat and then you do heat. But it's actually, they found that if you heat the injury initially and continue to mobilize it, you are not going to delay the healing. Whereas if you use ice, exactly what you're saying, you're going to delay the healing and then it's not going to heal as well longer term. So, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So these spicy, I, that's, I talk to a lot of people, you know, don't ice, don't use painkillers. Let's increase circulation. And like you said to, you know, slowly start to increase mobility and it's hard for people to not use ice. And so, you know, we've just been trained for that for so long, but I also say, let's not do nothing. You know, you can use these spicy herbs to help decrease that pain, help bring circulation. So it gives people something to do um, without, you know, slowing the circulation like the ice does. So yeah, and of, so cayenne, wonderful topically. It's so heating that you gotta be careful with that one. It can actually cause, you know, excessive heat. So you just kind of add a little bit at a time, see how it goes. Internally, of course, it can bring a lot of heat too. And that one is really intense heat wise. It's kind of like black pepper's pretty heating, ginger's pretty heating. And then we've got cayenne like way on top of that. So that one's definitely slow is better. And my favorite way to use cayenne is just to use a tiny bit, like a quarter of a teaspoon, put that into just boiled hot water, add honey, add lemon. It is so warming on a cold day. Uh, but also is amazing for a sore through throat or at the first sign of a cold or a flu, you know, you get a cold or a flu and you feel like cold and you're just kind of feeling like inward and, um, you know, it's a good thing to wrap up and put on all of your warm clothes and that sort of thing, but also heating from the inside out is really good in that instance. And cayenne is a wonderful way to do that. But yeah, it's usually a little bit goes a long way with cayenne. If you're using it topically, is there any indication? I've never used cayenne topically. Mm -hmm. Can it burn at all on the skin? It can, if you use, you know, too much of it for too long. So yeah, it's a good um, be way to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing to be careful with. But it's kind of wondering. interesting. I've, um, you know, just people's different relationship with that. My mother-in-law is French and she had a knee um, issue. And so I was recommending cayenne for that. And, and she just kind of told me, she's like, Oh, I used it. And then I must've used it too much. Cause it got really red and tender. So I just stopped and <laughs> she was just so okay with it, you know, like, and then it got better and then I used it again, <laughs> but, um, she was very blase about it, which is great. But yeah, you definitely, it's not something to be like afraid of necessarily, but you just want to be cautious with it. So what about, you know, something a little different like rosemary, 
Yes. Let's talk about some less spicy, less spicy things. Yes. So rosemary, one of my very, very favorites. And another one of these herbs that can easily just be dismissed as a nice little flavor. Uh, But rosemary is renowned, especially for its ability for brain health. It's been studied for helping people who have dementia, um, as well as just helping students study better. So it it somehow activates something in our mind. And uh, one practice that has been studied is, is that while you're studying something, you just simply smell rosemary. And then when you are taking the test or when it's time to perform, you smell rosemary as well, and it activates that memory. So that's a wonderful way to use rosemary for cognitive health. It's also wonderful for modulating inflammation. And sometimes it's called the queen of antioxidants. And so many of these spices are really, we could talk about their antioxidant qualities um, on and on. And one thing that I love about these antioxidant rich plants is that we know that taking supplemental antioxidants has not really been shown to be amazing, but you know, somehow isolating those antioxidants, taking them in pill form is just not the same as getting them from a whole source. And herbs are one of our biggest sources of antioxidants and rosemary is a big one. So for modulating all sorts of inflammation, whether it's digestive inflammation or some other type of systemic inflammation, rosemary is really wonderful. And also another one that's wonderful topically too. So, (laughs) And it, it also has an improvement on gut health for pathogens to my understanding. Yes. And it's, um, you know, another way it's being used in the food industry is that there's um, isolating constituents and making them uh, tasteless and it's used as a food preservative too. So it has some interesting applications against microbes. Yeah. And also interestingly, right. Isn't it used for skin health, hair health? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Why, why did they, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's for stimulation of hair growth. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stimulate hair growth, but it's also used like in vinegar rinses just to keep hair healthy. And, um, yeah. And you know, that inflammation, whenever we're taking something in, that's helping to just naturally modulate inflammation. It's going to have all of these many, many effects. And that's why this, you know, I think these herbs can seemingly do everything because they really are working on the systemic level. Hey, This is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. So what's so interesting is um, 
in our home, we have this huge, happy rosemary plant. This thing is big. Mm. Um, she weighs about 60 pounds and she goes for a walk every day <laughs> to be outside, <laughs> but she is so beautiful and it just smells so good. Like rosemary all the time, just with her oh. blooming. And it's so nice to cook mm. fresh off of that, but mm. makes me think of one other um, question is a lot of people buy spices mm -hmm. and they sit in the spice cabinet for mm -hmm. years, really. I mean, if folks are being honest, they're, they're probably there for years, slowly going through them. So how long should you keep dried herbs? Mm -hmm. Well, a couple ways to approach that one. I'm, I think if you've had herbs for years that you know of, let's just start fresh. <laughs> we can just say that right now. Let's just start fresh. And it's a good idea to buy herbs in small amounts, but it's a great idea to use them in large amounts. So um, the joke at our house is I'll, you know, when my husband cooks, I'll ask him, you know, what herbs are in here? And he'll say all of them. <laughs> of course you want it to taste good. But the idea is that, you know, we're not like putting a teeny bit of oregano in our spaghetti. You know, we're really using a lot of herbs. And, but, you know, if you wanted to be more, um, frugal or just, you know, really assess things, you can use your senses to determine how good herbs still are. And sometimes, you know, if they're stored in a dark place, um, in a sealed container, they can last for quite a long time. So what I mean by that is you just want to crush them, smell them. Do they smell really aromatic or do they smell like grass and wood <laughs> or, um, you know, and then taste them, of course, you know, do they taste freshly aromatic? Are they, you know, delicious or again, do they kind of taste like grass? So just and using our senses will help you determine how good they are. Do you like the grocery store for getting herbs or do you like another place for getting herbs that you think is better? Well, you know, it's hard to say. It kind of depends on like how much turnover that that store might be having. I really like to get my herbs from places that have both organic available as well as fair trade. Um, so wanting to know that the people who harvested and brought them to our table were um, you know, treated decently and given a living wage as well. So I think that is important from, you know, start to finish to our table. So those are what I'm often looking for. So, you know, wanting them to be really high quality, wanting them to be sustainably grown and harvested. And then of course, wanting them to taste great and have lots of flavor as well. So you mentioned oregano. <laughs> Tell me about oregano. <laughs> Yeah. Oregano is such a lovely one. That one, you know, is oregano is famous as an oil, essential oil, um, used internally, but it has a lot of precautions when you're using it in that potent form. Um, when I was in clinical practice, I worked with several people who really messed things up in their gut, you know, taking too much because it is strong. It is very antimicrobial and super hot and can really create a lot of imbalance. So I actually prefer working with it in the whole form. It is strongly antimicrobial and it also has those aromatic and digestive properties. So it's great if somebody has slow or stagnant digestion um, and because it's very heating and warming uh, and a bit drying, it's great for people who have what we might call damp stagnant digestion. So symptoms of that could be it's like you eat and then you just feel full or bloated for hours after eating. And another symptom is having a one, it could be having a thick white coating on the tongue. Um, any kind of um, gas, bloating, anything that just feels like 
food motility is stuck, you know, it's just not moving anywhere. That's when aromatic herbs are wonderful. And oregano is really great for that. So um, great for keeping digestion, helping healthy, keeping food moving. It's a wonderful one. And again, use topically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Use topically. Um, You can be used for like muscle aches and pains, like we've been talking, but it's also used topically as an antimicrobial as well. So lots of uses in that way. What would be your indication to want to use oregano oil topically on the skin? And do you have any cautions on using it topically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just have so many precautions with oregano oil specifically because it is so hot and so strong, which, you know, I think we can be drawn to things like, oh, that's really strong. I must use it but you can just create imbalance there easily. So I would definitely dilute it even further than it is in the bottle. Um, But it is used topically for infections um, like fungal infections, especially. Um, For other kinds of infections like staph infections, you wanna be a little bit more cautious um, using it with that um, simply because like if you dilute it further in oil, oil is generally not a great um, thing. thing to use for a staph infection because it can actually create a wonderful environment that creates more uh, staph. So, but for fungal infections, especially it's used and that can be um, all sorts of different fungal infections and also also things like um, dandruff. So Mm -hmm. it's used in in the hair too. Yeah. I mean, even PubMed is catching up with oregano oil, I think topically for foot fungal infections. I mean, Mm -hmm. what has been your experience like with foot fungal infections and oregano? Has it been pretty good and pretty good outcomes from that? You know, it's been many years since I've been in clinical practice, so I can't, you know, (laughs) pull upon that. Um, But I will say what, you know, it would be a good match for that. And the thing always with foot fungus, because it can be so difficult to get rid of is consistency. So, you know, putting it on numerous times a day, um, keeping it on for a long time. So I have a funny story about oregano oil. Absolutely. Right. But one um, really funny story was I ended up with a sinus, I think a sinus infection. And um, I was like, I, I mean, I have things to do. I do not have time for this. So, you know, I put, do not try this at home, guys. I put oregano oil into um, a neti pot and just flushed it out. And I was like, woo, <laughs> that burned. But it was, it was gone within a couple of days. Yeah. Absolutely gone. Yeah. It powerful, is very, powerful very oil. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I went a little heavy cause I was, I was ready to get, get it gone, but it powerful, definitely a powerful mm-hmm. herb. So amazing stuff. Very amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other favorites? Well, I, one that comes to mind that is not in the spice cabinet, but is in a lot of people's home is chamomile. And I love to talk about chamomile because in some ways I think I'm paying my respects after years of dismissing it, (laughs) thinking that, you know, it was for Peter Rabbit or something, you know, for kids. And I think the reason why I dismissed chamomile for so many years is because I only use it as a tea bag, you know, and so in a tea bag, you just have like a little bit of the herb and maybe not the best quality herb is always in tea bags. And then you dunk it into water for like a minute or three minutes, then you drink it and you know, it tastes fine. Um, it's a nice gentle after dinner tea, but the things that chamomile can give us is so astounding, especially when you're using a bit more of the herb and steeping it for a little bit longer. When you do that, it doesn't always have like 
the best flavor. It gets a little bit more bitter, but it does become a lot more medicinal. So it's a wonderful antispasmodic, which is wonderful anytime there's cramping of muscles. And that could be digestive muscles. It could be menstrual cramps. It could be um, tight muscles. Like if you're feeling like this all the time and super stressed, it's a great indication for uh, chamomile to just let your shoulders go. And it's often said that drinking chamomile is like getting a hug from a loved one. And the genus name for it is matricaria, which is uh, the root word for mother in Latin. And matricaria, that significance being that sometimes I said it's great for mothers. Sometimes it's uh, saying that it's like getting a hug from a loving mother. And I think of chamomile as like, it can be gentle and also fierce, like a mama bear kind of fierce because you can, you know, the stronger that tea you make, the, you make the tea, the more powerful it's going to be. So, um, uh, see, so I mentioned cramps, wonderful for digestion. So great after dinner tea, helping per- to promote digestion. It's been studied extensively for anxiety. Um, and so it's been shown to relieve general anxiety disorder, um, relieve that, you know, any kind of like nervous system overstimulation, wonderful for getting to sleep at night. In that case, a really strong tea is nice, but sometimes for people drinking a lot of liquid before bed is not super great. So it can be used as a tincture. It makes a lovely, lovely massage oil. It's one of my favorite massage oils that's gorgeous scent. And again, you know, wonderful for relaxing uh, muscle cramps or muscle tension. It's wonderful for modulating inflammation. And so it's used for skin health, um, both topically and internally, but also systemic uh, inflammation as well. Um, used for colds and flus. One of my favorite things for fevers, especially fevers when you feel really hot and you aren't sweating, but you have this kind of like tension and irritability, sometimes muscle pain and headache. Chamomile, perfect indication for that. Make up a strong tea. It'll soothe you. It'll make you feel like, you know, that warm embrace and also help with the pain and, um, and help you to sleep a bit too, which is often needed during that stage of, um, of a flu. So yeah, we could go on and on about chamomile. (laughs) There's so many lovely things about it. And I feel like it's in a lot of people's homes already, and there's so many applications for it. And a lot of people have it as tea bags and I kind of was dismissive of tea bags, but you know, you use three tea bags (laughs) and, um, and you can get, you know, more, and you know, it's kind of like, if you're just like looking for a pleasant tasting tea, use one tea bag, enjoy it after dinner and steep it for as long as you want. But those, all those benefits that I was talking about with muscle pain and tension, anxiety, you're going to want to use a lot more. So yeah, increase the bags and increase the steeping time. Wow. And I just have one more herb question for you is, um, one last one is curcumin. Mm -hmm. I know that this is one that you frequently talk about and that this one is, um, the most common one, I think that everybody seems to be talking about. There's tons of research studies on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why don't you go into your thoughts on this one? 
Sure. So um, turmeric, which is curcuma logum, um, is often used as an isolated constituent or researched as an isolated uh, constituent of curcumin. I do like the whole herb turmeric in all of its forms, buying it powdered or um, in the past couple of years, my little local health food store gets it in fresh and I love juicing it and having it fresh, putting it into foods freshed. So it is, yeah, it's one of the most researched herbs, studied herbs, used herbs. Um, surprisingly, the, the biggest use of it is in our mustard. It's used in small amounts. It's what makes mustard that, you know, yellow or yellowish color. So that's where a lot of it in the U.S. is used. But I think that's, you know, changing in terms of people using it more and more. Um, so let's see, turmeric modulates inflammation. I think everything we've been talking about modulates inflammation today, but a lot of these spices do. And this one is seen specific benefits for pain. Uh, it's used for all sorts of chronic pain, like arthritis, and used for even acute injury. Although it doesn't work like an aspirin, you know, you can't just like pop a couple turmeric capsules and expect to be pain-free. You need to take it for a while to really see its benefits. So. Um, but it is great at modulating that inflammation like rosemary been studied extensively for cognitive health and um, helping to show improvements in brain health of people who have Alzheimer's studied extensively for helping people with type two diabetes um, can show all sorts of benefits there in terms of regulating blood sugar. Then of course, with type two diabetes, that chronic inflammation is a major problem that can affect the heart and the liver, which turmeric has been shown to help extensively. It can um, decrease systemic inflammation, which then can then help balance cholesterol levels. It has a lot of benefits for liver. Um, it's been shown to normalize liver enzymes and uh, of course, used for digestion, um, just, you know, general promotion and, and digestion. And, you know, it's something that, as we know, in Indian food, it's used all the time. It's like you don't really have a meal without turmeric. And we've adopted that in our household. It's pretty much every meal we have has like a little bit of turmeric in it. Um, so it's great as like a, oh, you know, overall preventive and just, you know, joyfully adding it to your meals. And for those things like addressing things like arthritis and pain, you might need to take more with it. I will share one thing with turmeric that isn't often discussed outside of the herbal world, and that's that it's very drying. And so what I mean by that is when you start taking it in larger quantities, like for some type of pain like arthritis, or taking it in larger quantities to address something specific like type 2 diabetes or chronic inflammation, some people who are susceptible to dryness or maybe already dry themselves will start to notice things like um, one of the most common is that their eyes are dry. You know, they say, oh, my eyes are so dry, especially when I wake up in the morning or my mouth feels dry all the time, my hair, my skin, they'll notice this dryness. And it's just an interesting thing that people, um, so I guess I would say that turmeric is amazing. It's not for everyone because of that dryness. Um, you know, if people are having joint pain due to dryness, then turmeric might not be the best match because it's, while it might modulate inflammation, it's increasing that dryness aspect that can be offset a little bit. And we can look to its traditional use in India for this. It's often combined with a um, healthy fat. So it's combined in ghee, um, combined in milk. 
to help offset that drying quality. So we can do things like that, but yeah, just something to pay attention to when people start taking more and more of it, that that dryness um, often is an issue. What I saw in practice is that people would often have to take a fair amount of it, especially if they were wanting to like move from taking NSAIDs every day to taking, you know, move towards turmeric. So they might have to take a lot a day, like say 10 grams a day, which is like 20 capsules of whole turmeric. Um, but often that's not a long-term dose. You know, you kind of take a lot uh, in the beginning and then you can start titrating that down and, um, and be taking, you know, a much more easier amount, but still having that pain-free results. And that's something I saw in my practice time and time again. It was not that hard to move people from taking um, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and kind of wean them off of that and on to turmeric, which, you know, as you pointed out in that, um, that recent episode you did, that's, there's so many benefits there. It works great, but doesn't have the side effects as things like ibuprofen. So, um, you know, like the side effects of turmeric are, you know, healthier skin, better liver function, stronger heart, and uh, better digestion. You just go on and on. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, herbs are so amazing. So, um, if people don't really know how to get started or what herbs to use, or they're really interested in this, where should you, where, where should folks go to start to learn more about this? Well, my biased opinion is I have a great book on the subject. <laughs> Alchemy of Herbs is my first book. And that is kind of what you just described. It looks at how to figure out which herbs work best for you in particular. And so how you can choose those. And then it contains lots of herbal information in there. I cited over 250 studies on herbs. All of those are human clinical trials or a couple in vitro trials and then lots of recipes. And I love bringing herbs into my life via food, via, you know, topical, like we talked, you know, massage oils, drinks, and just making them a natural part of my everyday life. Um, versus, you know, just like getting piles and piles of supplements. So like, oh, I have to take this, I have to take that. Um, not that we can't take herbs as supplements, but just, it's better to have this more like well-rounded approach where they're just joyfully a part of our lives. So, um, that alchemy of herbs, is a good place to start. I have a lot of information on my website as well, where I share lots of recipes and also herbal tips and insights on particular herbs. And that's where people can find you if they want to get in touch with you, correct? Yep. Yep. That's the best way. And, um, there on my site, I also have a free course for how to choose the best herb for you. It's an herbal jumpstart program. It kind of gives you those basics on figuring out, you know, which herbs are best. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think we just need to have you back and we need to actually go through body systems. Like this is for brain health and like talk through individual systems versus the broad piece, because I think that people would be really interested in that. So yeah, that'd thank, be great. thank you so much for being here and sharing your amazing knowledge on this topic. It's been so incredibly interesting. So Thanks thank you again. Me. Yeah. And please, if you like what we're doing, please sign up, subscribe, and let us know what you want to hear more of. If you want to hear more about brain health or joint health or whatever ailment you are struggling with, we want to do that. So thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. 
And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.